This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Some of you are needing direction. Every one of us in here, I believe, would love to have divine visitation. But in saying that, how many of you would be willing to give up certain foods and certain beverages to get that? And so when we talk about the fast, the fast is a lot like tithing. It does not make sense to your head. You'll look and say, it's like tithing. When you give that, you think, how can God take that and bless me? Well, when you fast, it is a spiritual exercise that is literally an act of faith. So here in Daniel chapter 1, there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar, and he went into the city of Jerusalem, and he took it over. And out of that, he took several young Hebrew boys, specifically four named Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he trained them in their customs. But these guys, they were Hebrews. They loved God. And so we're going to start in verse number 9 of Daniel chapter 1. Let's start in verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile or contaminate himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed you food and drink. For why should he see your face looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So what's going on here is... Daniel is proclaiming this fast that he's wanting to go on, but this chief that's over him, he looks at him and he says, listen, if you get around the king and the king sees you all frail and weak and shriveled up and your face all skinny, he said, it's not going to be you that gets in trouble, it's going to be me. So Daniel replies to him in verse number 11, so Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let us give, let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. So if you see right there, this is a fast that he's now talked about. And in this fast, he says, the only thing I'm going to eat is vegetables and I'm going to drink water for ten days. Now, if you've never done that, you may look at that and say, What's so e or what's so difficult about that? What's so hard about that? But if you've never done that, you're going to break the twelfth commandment, and the twelfth commandment says, "Thou shalt not kid thyself." Because I'm going to tell you right now, you start doing this, vegetables and just water. I'm going to tell you, it's a lot more taxing on you than you think it will be. Let me break that down just a little bit. That means no Snickers. No Dr. Pepper, no skinny vanilla latte, no drive through the window at Krispy Kreme. Let me keep going. <laughs> so you begin to see, this isn't an easy task. And so Daniel says this, this is what I'm going to do for 10 days. Now the reason I'm throwing and highlighting 10 days in there, the goal here is, is not to tell you what to do. I believe each one of us in here need to get direction from God on what you need to do. But I do ask you this. Do something. And the reason I ask you to do something, Jesus himself said in Matthew, Matthew 6, three things that should be a, a characteristic of a Christian. We should give, we should pray, and we should fast. 
So we're going to look at some of the significance and the different fasts in here. So we go on to see here and read in verse 13. He said, Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. After ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who had ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Now, I believe really as Americans, we have so much sugar in us and stuff that I believe this is important that we do this so we like detox, that we get ourselves out of this. But if you'll note in this that when they looked at them and said they look better than the others, so this tells me right there, it didn't kill them. It won't kill you. Keep reading, verse number 16. Thus the steward took away the portion of the delicacies and the wine, and they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. Now check this out in verse 17. As for these young, these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, when you look at what took place here, I believe that when they started fasting, they literally got in tune with God. And, and when you get in God, and when you get in tune with God, God will put his touch or his anointing upon you. Now, I believe this personally. You cannot fast without praying. To fast means you're going to pray. Because if you fast and don't pray and don't seek God, you know all you've done is dieted. That's it. You're on a diet. So these guys, they begin to fast and pray. Now, it would be very interesting for every one of us in here with a show of hands, but don't do it, to say, how many of you would like knowledge? How many of you would like skill and wisdom? How many of you would like to have understanding and visions and dreams? I bet every one of us in here would raise our hand to at least one of these, if not all three of them. But here's the big question. Are you willing to do what they did to get it? That's a sacrifice to do this. But when I step out by faith and I begin to fast and pray and I begin to seek God like this, God pays attention. God sees this stuff. Verse number 18. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them and among them all, none was found like Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers were in all his realm. So when you read this, they were ten times better. It shows me here that as they stepped out by faith, God put his anointing upon them. God put his touch on them. God wanted to bless them just like he wants to bless every one of us. But it's going to take you to step out by faith and begin to do this. Now, turn just a couple of pages to your right to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. We're going to read another passage here about this guy named Daniel. Actually, we're going to read three of them today in Daniel. And in this, this part here in Daniel 10, most believe Daniel is somewhere between 80 and 90 years old when this takes place. Verse number 1. In the third year, Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message, and he had understanding of the vision. Now, when this starts talking about, this, this vision 
was, was in reference to future things. Many of it would refer to hardships and even war that they would be in. And so God wanted to give him understanding of what's going to start taking place. Verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. Now, the reason Daniel was mourning like this, he was troubled because of the, the, the state of Jerusalem. It was in bad shape. It wasn't good. And so he said he was mourning here for three weeks. Now, we're going to find out what the word mourning here means, but understand, that doesn't mean he took two Tylenol and went to bed. He didn't go on a, a Star Trek all-day movie marathon. He didn't escape to his favorite hideaway. Look what happens in verse 3. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth. Nor did I myself anoint myself at all till three full weeks had gone by. So now we look at something here that this time the fast he's on is extended to 21 days. If you'll note in there, he had no bread, none, flour tortillas, that's bread. He had no sweets, sugar at all. He had no meat. He had no coffee. Now, I say that because that's a big one for me right there. I'm telling you, that, that is one of the most difficult things for me to detox. If I yawn up here today, it's not because I'm being rude. It's just I hadn't had a lot of coffee. And so when you begin to see this, he makes a, a step of faith that says, in this time where I need understanding and direction of the things God wants to show me, he begins to fast. He begins to pray. And so think about this in your life. How many are needing some direction? How many of us need understanding? And you may say, I've never done this. You know, I, I can stand before you today, and I can tell you for 40 years of my life, I didn't even know what fasting meant. I didn't have a clue about it. And as I've begun to dabble in it, and each year the Lord takes me and Shelly on longer fasts than the previous years, I begin to understand the significance more and more, and I can tell you what it does to me. It gives me an incredible awareness of Father God. It draws me so much closer. I'm really in tune so much more with the spirit realm. And so this is what I believe Daniel was wanting to do. Now, same chapter, verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. Now, the hand he's talking about that touched him was angelic visitation. I don't know about you, but I love the thought of an angel visiting me. And so this angel touches him. But in verse 10, get this, guys. Not only did he go on a fast, when the angel touched him, this was his battle position right here. He was on his hands and knees, and he was praying, and he was seeking God right here. Verse number 11. He said, And the angel said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel. For from the very first day that you set your heart to understand 
and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, I love there the illustration that he says to humble yourself. What was the way he humbled himself? He began to fast and he began to pray. And when he fasted and prayed, he made that statement of faith or that step of faith even. It got to heaven's attention. And that angel said to him, from the very first day that you started praying, I've heard your words. I still believe that God hears words when we step out like this. Now, this is where it really gets interesting. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia has withstood me 21 days. Who do you think the prince of Persia is he's talking about here? It was a demon, a high-ranking demon, a principality or power. And evidently, this demon, the, the prince of Persia, he had control over this whole region. And it said he withstood this angel. So we keep reading. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princesses, this is the prince of God. He's one of the good angels. He's one of the angels you want showing up on your behalf. He came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now note that the word kings there is plural. So you begin to see right here that there was this prince of Persia. And underneath this prince was several kings. Often, the very things that are happening on earth are a reflection of what's happening in the heavenly realm above us. I say that to say this today. You think about everything that's going on in America right now. It's a lot of tension in our land. A lot of things happening there that aren't good. As an American, I can tell you, I believe in our First Amendment right. I believe in the freedom of speech. Thank God we got that. I believe in the right to bear arms. But you know what any of that means to the devil? Absolutely nothing. You can say, hey, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to bring my gun out. I'm going to do this. He could care less. And the reason I want to highlight that is you don't win spiritual battles with physical things. The only way you win spiritual battles is with spiritual things. And one of our greatest weapons is prayer and fasting. And the things in this earth, the things in America, guys, they're not going to change just because we hope they are. God looks for people. He looks for Daniels, just one that will stand in the gap and say, you know what, we're going to pray. And just as these, these princes of Persia had dominion over this whole area, I believe there's pockets in America where it's strong demonic influence. And the way this will be tore down is when the saints come marching in. And when the saints rise up and we start taking this seriously, even like Daniel. So we keep reading. Verse 14. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. So he's telling Daniel, I want to let you know what's going to happen to the people of the land. I want you to let them know. Jump down with me to verse 17 for time's sake. For how can this servant, my Lord, talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. That was Daniel talking. He said, man, I'm weak. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. Now, I don't know about you. This is some of the reason I love the Word of God. 
because it referred to this angel that he came in the likeness of a man. Do you know in the New Testament, that's found in Hebrews 13 too, and it says this, many of you have entertained angels and you were unaware of it. Do I believe that God still sends angels just like I do? And the Bible will tell us what we need to know. And so understand, God still has divine visitation for people. But once again, how did it happen? A man that humbled himself and began to fast and pray. So we keep reading. Verse number uh, 19. And he said to me, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and I said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. So what this angel's telling me, he says, Listen, I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to whip the prince of Persia And after I've whipped him, then this other demonic entity called the Prince of Greece, he's going to show up. But understand this, the great prince, Michael, the good prince, he's going to show up and he's going to help you. He's going to help all of us. Now, there's a verse here that I really want to highlight just a second, and then we're going to move to Ephesians. Look back at verse 19 again. And this was Daniel, and and, and the angel said to him, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and you may call the place right there, because we're going to come back to Daniel here in a minute, but go to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, as we go there, think about what we just read. Be strong. Be strong. In Joshua 1, several references, the Lord told Joshua two things. He said, be strong and a good courage. Be strong and a good courage. Now, I want you to note here when we get to Ephesians 6 how some of the stuff that we've just talked about lines up exactly with this. Begin with me in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, not in conclusion, but for the rest of your life, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. How do I become strong in the Lord? Man, I ask him to strengthen me. I ask him to mercy me and grace me. But I build myself up. Even praying in the Holy Spirit is what Jude said. I hang out with the things of God. I feed on the scriptures daily. Part of this is learning to discipline yourself to get in the word every day. How many of you eat every day? Every one of us in here. Usually at least three meals a day, sometimes more than that. See, the old evangelist Smith Wigglesworth said this, we feed our our natural man three hot meals a day, and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, but yet we wonder why we're starving to death. In other words, I can be malnutritioned spiritually. And he's telling you, be strong in the Lord. He wouldn't have told me to be strong in the Lord if it wasn't possible. Why do I need to be strong in the Lord? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, or the ambushes of the devil. So he's telling me right here that the reason I need to be strong is because I'm going to be the one that's going to stand against the devil. Note that. 
you are too. He said that you may be able to stand against him. Now, he said in this verse, put on the whole armor of God. Part of our armor, I truly believe, is prayer and fasting. That's part of being strong in the Lord is learning, you know what? I'm going to get around the things of God. But he said that we're going to stand against the devil. Now, here's the thing about this thing called armor. Number one, you got to know what your armor is. If you don't know what your armor is, it's not going to do you no good. Number two, not only do I need to know what my armor is, I need to know how to use it. It's, it's just like a guy in the military. I mean, like Ben Bacon, he was back last week, he's in, in the Marines. He's been issued some weapons. And not only has he been issued some weapons, he's been instructed how to use those. That's the same with me in the kingdom of God. We've got to get there. But not only that, I've never seen a Marine who's actually in the Marines right now that is overweight. Never. You know what I'm telling you that? He can fit in his uniform. See, God wants us to be spiritually healthy. He doesn't want us to be spiritually lazy. He wants us to be spiritually healthy. And part of the process is putting on my armor every day. Keep reading here, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And that word wrestle right there actually means that we are to actively engage. This is what the apostle Paul's telling us. You're going to have to actively engage the devil. And you say, I am. Well, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now go back and think about what happened with Daniel. Who was he battling with? He didn't know it, but it was the prince of Persia, the kings of Persia. That's all these yahoos that's found in verse 12. Whether we want to admit it, guys, they're still here. And a lot of times in our society, when we talk about demons and demonic stuff, we have a thought, that's just found in the movies. That's fantasy. That's Hollywood. That's not the truth, guys. It's real. And as long as we're here on this earth, we're going to have to battle them. And if we don't engage them, it doesn't mean they back off and take a coffee break. No. They're coming after us. And God looks for ones that know what his armor are and how to use it. So we keep reading verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That word withstand there is a verb that means to literally to vigorously oppose the devil. I'm smart enough to know this, that not one of us in this room could oppose the devil unless Jesus gives us the ability to. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now some of the weapons begin to look with me. Verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded yourself with truth. Sent your waist up with truth. You know what truth is? It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. i got to live by truth. The next thing he jumps to is having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The only way I'm righteous, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21, is I am the righteousness of God in Christ. i got to start knowing who I am in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. 
and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And the word preparation, it refers to what's already been made happen. In other words, we get to walk out Jesus' victories. We can use the name of Jesus. We can use the blood of Jesus. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Why is so faith so important? It's the call of the New Testament. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please Him. So I got to learn to live by faith. I believe 2015 will be a great year that we have to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Through faith and patience I hear it. I mean, I got to get over and I got to start getting into the Word of God and that's where faith will be developed. Then he goes on and says, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Think about the Word of God, guys, as a sword. Every time I speak the Word of God out of my mouth, just envision yourself as swinging a sword. That's exactly what's happened. And it didn't say you can only do it periodically. I believe we ought to be speaking the Word daily over our lives, our homes, our nation. And he ends in verse 18 and saying, praying with all prayer. Now, just, just briefly, look, look back at verse number uh, 13. Just look back at it real quick. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. I believe this is important that we get back to this. That I've got to take it up because I'm going to be the one to withstand the devil. Now, that tells me God never intended for any of us spiritually to retire. You never reach a platform spiritually and say, man, I'm done. I can kick back the rest of my life. God never wants us to be spiritually lazy, spiritually lethargic. And I believe as we start a new year here, let's get ready again and let's begin to seek God. And I do know that there's believers right here in the room that maybe right now you're battered, you're bruised, you're beaten up. But if we will begin to fast and pray, I believe God's going to do something in your lives your homes, and even right here in the church. Now go back with me to the book of Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Just a couple more passages I want you to see here. Daniel 9, and I'll, I'll begin in verse number 1. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah has this prophecy, and Daniel's getting an understanding of it. He says there in verse 3, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, think about the wording here. Daniel said, I set my heart or my face toward the Lord. How did he do that? He began to pray, supplications. He began to fast. And when it says that he made uh, with, with, with ashes and sackcloth, that always referred to repentance. 
So the way Daniel began to come before God was he was beginning to petition God and pray. And, and it wasn't about his agenda. It was about God's agenda. And he says this, that I'm going to repent for the sins, not only of my life, but of the nation. And he goes on to say in verse 4, And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Now listen real close to verse 5. We have sinned and committed iniquities. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even departing from your precepts and your judgment. Now I want you to hold fast to the word we here. If there was any righteous man in all of Israel and Jerusalem at that time, it would have been Daniel. And he said, we have sinned, we have done evil, but note in there, he didn't say, they have sinned. They have done evil. And oftentimes, that's how I believe Christians, we view other people. We say, man, they've done all this bad, and they've done all this wrong. But it's interesting that Daniel would say, we, we. There's something about that right there, that when we get a hold of that, we are all in this together. And the we here means that if men and women, young and old in this room, if we don't begin to rise up and learn what godly people do like Daniel did, then our nation crumbles. Our nation doesn't get any better. Our churches don't get any better. Our homes don't get any better. And this includes me and you individually, but this includes future generations. That if we don't start taking this serious, it's not going to be good. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, guys. But America is rapidly becoming a pagan nation. And God is sitting there just, just with his hands up like, call out to me. I'm looking for ones. I'm looking for Daniels. Verse number 11, same chapter. Yes, all of Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we've sinned against him. Sounds like America. And he has confirmed in his words what he spoke against us, against our judges who judge us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we may turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind, and he's brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. Let me tell you some things there. He warned them of disaster. And it was like God had spoken. He said, if you'll obey me, there'll be blessings. If you disobey me, there'll be curses. There'll be disaster. And I can tell you this. The last about three weeks of, of 2014, I really began to pray. And I sensed this in 2015. He didn't give me the word disaster. He gave me the word tragedy several times. Over and over it would come out. And I do believe this, that if we don't begin to rise up, and we don't begin to heed this stuff and fast and pray, and we begin to repent, not only for our sins, but the sins of our land, It'll be marked by tragedy this year. Just like in this situation, God warned them over and over and over again. Here's a question today. 
What would it take to get your attention? See, God never wants to bring disaster. God never wants to bring tragedy. But when we continually to disobey Him and we refuse to call out to Him and repent, this is what ultimately happens, just like what was spoken here. Verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem. Your holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people are a reproach to all those around us. They're an embarrassment. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplication of the Lord's sake. Cause your face to shine on your sanctuary was desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. So as I look here and I begin to see all this, as a nation, we've sinned. As a nation, it's very easy to break the commandments of God. As a nation, we don't fear God. But when I begin to look and it said, your servant Daniel prayed, the power of one. One person like him changed the course of Jerusalem. And I believe to this day, it just takes one. But something happens when a group of believers or a church all get together. There's incredible power with numbers. One will put a 1,000 to flee, two will put 10,000. Something will happen when we all begin to pray. Something will happen when we begin to fast. Now, I'm not here to tell you how to fast. I'll give you some guidelines, but you've got to look and say, what can I do differently? And maybe you go on a three-day fast. Maybe you go on a 10-day. Maybe you go on a Daniel fast where it's just vegetables and water and you begin to seek God and you begin to call out God not only on behalf of your life and your family, but even your workplace, even our nation. How many of you work at a place where it seems like there's constant tension, there's constant gossiping, and it's very easy to say, I wish Sister Bucketmouth would shut up. I wish Brother Longtongue would quit lying. Well, you know what? That may be a fact that those people are doing those things. But that isn't what changes it. What changes it is when we begin to fast and pray and understand on top of your workplace is probably this thing like a cloud or a claw called the devil. And he's not moved by what we say. What moves him is when we understand our armor and we begin to put it on and we begin to call out to God. God will move. Just like here. Now I want you to go to one more passage with me. Second Chronicles 2 verse 7. Second Chronicles 7, I mean. Second Chronicles 7. As you're turning there, there's several references into the Bible where it looked like people were going to be destroyed and God would intervene. And you know why God would intervene? Because people would begin to fast and pray. And I want to give you a great example of that. Just a couple books over from Daniel is the book of Jonah. And in Jonah chapter 3, God had told Jonah two times I want you to go into the city of Nineveh. 
And I want you to warn the Ninevites and tell them that if they don't repent and turn from their wicked ways, he said, I'm going to destroy the city. Now, was it God's desire to destroy the city? No, it wasn't. But because of their wickedness, because of their lack of reverence for the things of God, he said, I have no choice. So Jonah goes there and he tells the people of that. And there was enough godly people in the land that feared God that they heeded it. And it says specifically, you can read this in Jonah 3, that they begin to pray, they begin to fast, and they put on sackcloth and ashes. They begin to repent. And it says, and God relented. And God changed his mind. Something happens when biblical men and women obey the Bible. Godly men and women fear him more than they fear people. Look at this charge here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Let me start in verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and he said to him, I've heard your prayer. God still hears prayers. James 5 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails. We must discipline ourselves to pray again. How many in this room wouldn't be where you're at right now if you wouldn't have had a mama or a daddy that prayed for you? I'll raise both my hands. That I know for a fact in my life that if I wouldn't have had a mama that prayed for me to change the course and the direction of my life, I'd either been dead or I'd been in jail the rest of my life. And when I read this right here, this stirs me up that God specifically said, and I heard his prayer. See, part of this, these next few, I encourage you, discipline yourself to pray. Whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the evening, take time to get around God. He goes on to say, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. God saw his sacrifice. When you begin to pray, God will see that. And it moves the heart of God. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people. Now get this in verse, 13, or verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If we'll humble ourselves. See, God doesn't want to have to humble us. He wants us to humble ourselves. And those who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways. He said, I'll heal their land. I'll heal their land. And when I read this this week, it threw out a challenge to me. Not only will God heal our land, God will heal our churches. God will heal our families. But it takes just one of us to step out and say, You know what, Lord? I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray with your agenda in mind, Father God. And His agenda is what will change America. His agenda is what will change your home. His agenda will change your marriage. His agenda will change your workplace. But it's going to take a group of people to bind together and say, You know what, Father God? We're going to seek you. And I believe this is so significant for the time we live in. That if we don't, there's going to be tragedy. 
Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.